Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. guys are listening to this podcast right now it's it's first weekend in june it's uh you're listening to this it's friday morning we're at the id buzz bus debut here hanging out with a bunch of buses and this particular podcast we're going to be doing on some logoed buses got a, a surprise for you guys at the end of this podcast but obviously every time we do a bus deep dive we're going to be bringing on our bus expert which is lynn bjornson so lynn welcome to the podcast glad to be here Hey, so this is the first weekend in June. You and I pre-recorded this, but people are listening to this right now. We decided that we wanted to do a podcast with respect to specifically logoed buses. And of course, you being the bus expert, I had to go to you to get some of the detail on this stuff. So when we talk about buses, logoed buses, and things to that nature, where are we beginning with this particular with this particular topic? What do you think is the most value to start out with? Well, uh, buses are just like a giant rolling billboard and, and they have been from day one. The, the first bus that was sold got logoed. Uh, it was the 4711 Cologne company in Germany. And, and from there, like a lot of the commercial buses got logoed. Uh, throughout the years and, and so now today it's uh, really a, a thing for people to get logoed buses and and there are still companies that are logoing buses up and people re-logoing buses or coming up with with new logos for them uh, it it's really a thing I mean you can go to the Samba and there's every day there are people posting photos of logoed buses, old photos, new photos, just all over the place. And, and with respect to logoed buses, we talked about, um, you know, obviously buses were, were sold commercially and it was just something extra VW do to help you advertise your business or rolling billboard. Here's a new thing. It's called marketing for your business in the fifties. And with respect to logoed buses, what would make one logoed bus worth more than another? Like what takes us down that road? Well, there's the, not all logos are the same. There's like the, the, the content of the logos, you know, you have like say uh, a radio station or TV station uh, are really cool. Uh, and then uh, dry cleaners are a little, uh, more pedestrian uh and so that's one thing with them then another thing is the the quality of the logos and the the design of them uh some are really simple and, and some are just you know artistically stunning now did vw contract this out to people or did they do it at the dealership uh so uh most of the logos were done by sign painters, in, independent sign painters. 
VW did put out a book uh, to their dealerships that was called Firm Friends of the VW Transporter, which has like 640 different logoed buses. And it was just to give ideas to businesses to say, you know, this is what other people are doing with logos. And and with that book, uh, it was put out uh, around 1960 or so. Mm-hmm. And VW just went through their archives and got you know, every picture of a logoed bus that they could and just started putting them in. And so there's all kinds of different styles in there, different models. And like the the town that I live in, Boise, Idaho, uh, out of the 640 buses in the book, five of them are from Boise. Oh, really? they sent out something to dealerships saying, yeah, it's like, send us pictures of logoed buses and... Uh, there was somebody who responded from Boise. Uh, then a, another area, St. Louis. There were a bunch from St. Louis, but then and then a bunch from New York. But they're they're really just all around the world. Uh, lots and lots from Germany, and and there's actually uh, evidence that people were using that book. There was a a supermarket. Uh, took and basically copied the the major design on a bus from that book and changed the the company name to their company name but you can see in the design it's totally the same design that was in the book yeah and is that that supermarket is where is that a supermarket in the states or is it in europe um because i recall when i was at the belgium yeah it's in the states yeah, I know that when I was in Belgium, I saw like there's a a milk company or something, and their logo still to this day I think is like a VW bus. So uh, something that I saw when I was in Belgium. But yeah, there's a, I mean, there's there's a lot of cool things. I mean, at, at one point I owned a '57 walkthrough FTD bus, and so when we're talking about like FTD, right, like a national company or a fairly large company versus like Al's TV repair or Rick's dry cleaning in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Like, is does there does there vary any degree of value based on like what what the logo is or who who's what the brand is? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and like the, the FTD one, it's uh, is that Mercury the the design where yes. the guy's delivering the flowers or something, which is like a really cool design. Right. Right. Uh, and so that definitely adds to it. So what, as far as some of the logoed buses, what are, what are some of the more uh, desirable ones that you've seen that have turned up and that have been out there in the market? <clears throat> um, there's like the uh, one that I really like is the, the King panel van that uh, Gibbs has, which is uh uh, just got really good logos. It, it's a heating and cooling company, which is uh, mildly exciting, but the, the logos are really well done. Uh, then there's a, a television station uh, back east somewhere that had like a 55 Deluxe, and they actually logoed it a couple different times. They, uh, there are period pictures of it with one set of logos, then they completely relogoed it again 
and just the the design of them are incredible. Uh, and then there's you know ones that are just like a you know block of writing. Like I have the uh, the Sudfunk panel van, which just has basically block letters across it, which uh, visually isn't as exciting, but it's uh, still pretty neat. And and it is the oldest uh, bus known with original logos on it. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of that, you know, as you see so many different logos and a lot of them were, you know, some of these block logos like you have on the Sudfunk, but the Sudfunk, what, what I think adds to this, the, the value of the Sudfunk is how early the bus is and it being really an early, uh, you know, really an early bus, you know, one of the earliest buses, especially that someone's driving on a constant basis, right? <laughs> so there's, yeah, th there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I was just up at the, um, up there at, um, Ottinger's place and he's got, you know, six or seven, 21 and 23 windows up that he was doing the tours and those were logoed, you know, back over there and not original logoed buses, but that's kind of a double whammy, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a deluxe bus that's logoed for an actual business that they did, uh, where they, you know, took people on tours of, of Moab, you know, which was, which was super cool. So, I mean, I think there's, there's so much with respect to logo. And if you have, what do you say there was in that book? 600 of them? Yeah, it's like 640. Uh, and uh, another great one is the Gray Line Tours uh, logo buses. Uh, those ones, both a, a cool thing, they're tour buses, and the, the uh, design of the logos are really good. Yeah, I mean, there's so there there's so much variation in the logos, and I, I guess it's kind of open ended, right? Based on what whatever market you're in, whatever purpose you were buying the bus for, whether it was you know like like some that we see for TV stations or uh, you know like Volkswagen even, and, and with respect to Volkswagen, um, they they have they had logo buses as well. Yeah, they did. Uh, uh, lots of dealerships had logos uh, on their buses. And and another thing with logoed buses is that often the logos would get sanded off uh, when the, the company is done with it because they, both they don't want people driving around with their logos. And then also back in the day, somebody buys an old used panel van to make into their, their camper they don't want to have some company's logos on it. So they would paint over it. Yeah. And, and so we have logos, which is one level of collectability, right? Like a logo bus. And most of them, the majority of them, I would think were panel buses. Some of them would in fact be, you know, other type of buses. But so, so that's one level of collectability, right? We have, we have logoed buses and then we have options on buses, which then make them a little more rare, right? Yeah, and uh, the options are the thing that make them more exciting. Uh, there are rare options, and there are cool options, and then there are cool rare op options. So, uh, like, you know, you can have 
options for for snow tires that's like totally a not exciting option but then you have safari windows that's a totally exciting option right and how many i mean talking about safaris how many cars how what is the option code for safaris and and that would be on your m code plate right yeah uh, well it's m113 although on american spec buses uh, it would show up in the the uh, American Spec M code package, so you wouldn't see M one thirteen on the the M code plate of an American bus with Safaris. But if you ordered your birth certificate, it would show up in there, possibly depending on whether the they figured it out there on uh, at the birth certificate department. And the 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 Safari kit from the factory it was all bolt in or it was a weld in kit. Uh, it was weld in at the factory. They could be service installed uh, where they would bolt in. Uh, and it, there's a great picture from the the uh, technical boltons showing to to get the nut plate in the upper uh, window frame that you you open up a hole with a. Uh, chisel and then uh, push the nut plate uh, into there. <laughs> yeah, he's got a guy working a hammer and chisel on on his bus on a brand new painted bus. And so when and then, go ahead. Oh, and, and safaris were pretty uncommon in the U.S. Uh, they were much more common in uh, like Central America or Africa or Australia. Now, with respect to options, like when you're looking for a bus, what kind of, what are you looking for? Because obviously you've got quite a collection of buses. And so for you, you start separating the hen's teeth, right? Like what are you, what to you excites you with respect to options? Um, I like uncommon options that are uh, usable, uh, you know, like the, the snow tires option, not exciting, uh, you could get a different air cleaner again, not all that exciting, but you could get uh, safari windows are neat, uh, or uh, the sidestep is is kind of neat. Uh, there, uh, six pop-outs is is also a, a nice option, and that's uh, fairly common on the later split buses. But you'd also see it on earlier ones as well um no so with with so with respect to options like the buses that you have if it let's say you find two you score 256 buses and you know they're both about same condition what options dictate whether you keep it or you sell it like one no i'm keeping that because that's super rare Oh, absolutely. Like, say, uh, for like a, a, a 58 bus, that's a, the first year that walkthrough really came out, it was 58. And that's, to me, the difference between keeping or selling it. You have a bus that has the walkthrough option, that's dynamite. You know, I want to keep that. Mm-hmm. If I have the exact same bus that's, that's a bench seat, I'm less interested in keeping it. Right. So I, well, I, I can tell you this after driving, after driving my beetle barn bus for a while, it's got that walk through front section. And I tell you all my other buses are bench front buses. And I'm thinking, 
especially if you're on a long trip or whatever, uh, the walkthrough just seems, for whatever reason, it just seems a lot roomier in the walkthrough section, you know? Yeah, and it's a great place to put your cooler too. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem driving, putting my drink down right there and <laughs> enjoying, enjoying it. And I, after driving uh, the bus for the weekend, we took it up to Moab, you know, me put me putting that many miles on it that weekend, I thought, man, this, I started thinking, man, should I convert my 67 to a walkthrough? Should I be looking for walkthroughs from now on? And so now my thought was, if I'm going to buy another bus, I'm going to look for a walkthrough because the walkthrough options are just super handy, especially if you've got to get anything out of the back or you do anything like that. There's no trying to roll over the bench. You can just go right through the front to the back. So that's a super uh, a super handy option. Uh, you know, one of the options that my, besides my bus having the limousine package, which was an, a fictitious option that never existed, it was lot, the Las Vegas special. My bus actually had it on the MCO plate. It shows uh, ambulance fans. And I was lucky enough to reach out to my friend's widow that I got the bus from. And I said, hey, I sent her a picture of ambulance fans. And I said, I'm looking for these that I'm positive he probably would have had these with the bus. And sure enough, she has, uh, I think the front of my bus is Mango. And so uh, I have a set of Mango ambulance fans. And she said, hey, I found your fans for you. So come grab them. So I'm excited to put those in that uh in that limo bus just because it's something a little bit a little bit extra and a little bit cool you know so that was kind of my little feather in my cap there <laughs> yeah the, the ambulance fans are a neat option uh they uh, i like to say that they make noise and cost a lot of money right uh that if you're stopped at a stoplight they push some air through but really uh <laughs> they're 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 neat but i uh, I would say they're overrated uh, in the marketplace, at least. Uh, they've been, you know, selling for ridiculous prices lately. Yeah, what are ambulance fans going for? Like a like a thousand bucks for an ambulance fan? Uh, that would be a, a low price. Uh, Fifteen hundred is is a common price for them now. I remember in the '90s when I got into them in, into buses, they were going for, you know, 75 or a hundred dollars and it, at swap meets and, and then they moved up to 150 and then they just went crazy. Now with respect to like you having such a collection of varied buses and how many buses do you think you've owned over the, the, the past time of your owning buses? I mean, buses that you've bought, you've sold, you've found for friends and all this kind of stuff. How many buses do you think you've owned? Uh, on the split window ones, which are the only ones I keep count of, I've had 107 so far. 107 buses have passed through your hands. So when you're looking, when you're looking for a special bus, like what are you looking for specifically? Um, sunroof buses uh, are great. Uh, of course, deluxe sunroofs with the the windows on top are neat. But then the the standard sunroofs are uh, a lot less common. And then the the rare ones are the Westphalia sunroofs or the Combi sunroofs, and th those are the ones you can kind of count on your fingers the number that are known to exist. And and to me, that's what rare is is when when you can count the the known examples on your fingers, then that's rare. So like what what was your like if you're building your ultimate bus what would you what would you be building? Well, there's 
one that that I was recently going to build, uh, and I, I was looking through some old VW literature, and, and there's pictures that in uh, 1956, Volkswagen sent over 14 combis that were all set up for uh, training service techs at dealerships. And they, they actually sent them over with factory trained uh, uh, trainers and drove them around the country and were teaching uh, the, all the, the people at the dealerships how to work on them. And, and those, so, uh, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I got a 57 combi and I decided that, that I wanted to make a tribute car because, uh, those ones that they sent over in 56 are none known to exist. And, uh, the combi I got was just a pretty pedestrian combi, uh, no options or anything. And my attitude is uh if you want something and you can't find an original then uh there's no shame in making it and this was for what you were doing and why were you doing yeah, it? The, you were doing a 57 for what what reason were you doing a 57 oh uh, because it was the the vehicle that was available to me uh, uh a friend had hooked me up with one mm-hmm. and it was uh, generally the same as, as those uh, 56 models that VW did. And, and Volkswagen first started, okay. Volkswagen was first established here in the States what year? Uh, so it, through 1953, Max Hoffman was the uh, sole importer, uh, like 1950 through 1953. Then in 54, Volkswagen... Uh, canceled his or, or did not renew his contract and they sent over uh, a couple people to set up uh, dealerships and distributors uh, one for the west of the Mississippi and one for east of the Mississippi mm-hmm. and so throughout uh, 1954 they set up uh, dealerships and they set up uh, 15 different distributors for different regions then in uh, 1955, they started hiring their first employees, uh, and they hired one in February. And then a couple months later, they sent for three service personnel uh, from Germany. And then uh, by the end of the year, they had uh, a few more employees, but still a pretty small organization in '55. So what year do they actually go full swing? Does is Volkswagen of America kind of brought in when they start establishing dealerships? Yeah, they, they were they were giving out concessions for dealerships in 54, but they didn't uh, establish uh, Volkswagen of America until October of 55. So in October, and, then, uh, October, and if you look at the production. So October 55 puts that like the 56 oh. model year? Yeah, that's the 56 model year. Okay. And then uh, by the the numbers of employees they had at the end of 55, it wasn't until 56 calendar year that they sent over those 14 buses with all the the uh, service personnel. So in 1956, those those would have been 1956 model buses that those would have been. Correct. And 
none of those are known to exist. Uh, that they had, uh, and they would be pretty obvious if they were existing because those buses all had uh, safari windows and ambulance dividers. And uh, we haven't seen any uh, combis in the bubble taillight era, which is through mid-57, that have ambulance dividers. There's the, the ambulance divider option. There's a few uh, 59 and 60 combis that have it, but, but none uh, that early that are known to exist. And the ambulance divider, for some of those people that don't know what the ambulance divider is, that ha that's the... The, the bypass windows behind, like where the panel bus has a solid fixed piece behind the seat? Yeah, it's uh, right behind the front seat. Uh, like a, a panel van, a bench seat panel van would have a cardboard divider with a little window in it. But ambulances had a three-piece uh, glass panel there that slid so you could make a little opening. Uh, and the pieces of glass were actually uh, bus side windows, like the non-pop-out uh, solid windows. Oh, really? So they were they used the existing windows and just made like a slider for the existing bus windows? Yeah. Yeah, they, they're really big on reusing things. Uh, no reason to come up with a, a new size of glass when they already had something that would work. And then the the frame that they fit in is actually very similar to the channel for the the uh, uh, cab door windows. Like the the cross section of it's the same. The, the overall shape is different. Right. But and and the seal that goes between that frame and the body is the same as the seal that goes under the cab door window frame. Oh wow. So Volkswagen really repurposed a bunch of their uh, a bunch of their different stuff that they would. I mean, they obviously try to be as efficient as possible with manufacturing their parts and pieces for different bus models and whatnot. So, uh, I mean, it kind of stands to reason that they would repurpose like the side windows to use as the as the sliders. What was the what was the purpose of that? Just to, to access it, or and, and they did, you said they had the same thing in the ambulance. Yeah, yeah, the, the divider was uh, stock in all ambulances, but it was optional in uh, all other models. And uh, I've actually seen one in a panel van. Uh, I've seen a couple standards that have it. Uh, I've seen a 15 window that, that has it. And then in the uh, 5960 era, they put out quite a few combis. And so there's a handful of those uh, still existing with ambulance dividers. Now, this uh, never seen one in a double, though. And now this brings me to uh, the kind of my next question. Like you stumbled across something that was a, a pretty decent find. Is that right? Last, uh, last fall sometime? Yeah. So, uh, uh, last, actually, at the end of last summer, uh, a friend of mine had bought a few barn door buses, and uh, and the a, a couple of them were pretty rusty, but there was one that that was um, in uh, decent condition, and uh, he sent me pictures of it, and 
it had a whole bunch of options. Uh, it had uh, Safari windows. It had the uh, ambulance vans, which on a barn door uh, are a scoop that comes out over the windshield because uh, uh, barn door buses, uh, the you know the windshield uh, goes straight to the roof. They don't have the overhang like the later buses. Right. Uh, it also had uh, ambulance divider. It had a full width dash, which is uh, in the barn door era. That's something that you would see on deluxes, but it was optional on the other models, but but very uncommon. Uh, and then it also had an ambulance hatch, which is a solid hatch that that folds down. So this, I mean, this is kind of a super oddball bus that he has. It just has all these wacky logo, uh, all these wacky options on it. Yeah, yeah, and that was, I mean, you know, normally you find a bus with one option, that's special, that's cool. You know, you find a bus with two options, that's that's a little extra special. You find something with like three options, you're getting into rare territory. This one had six uh, uh, really exciting options. It also had six pop-outs, uh, so, you know, almost all of the windows on the car opened and uh it was just it was so loaded and the the barn door buses are uh pretty desirable and in my opinion fairly overrated but but i still like them and and i like options a lot and so uh immediately uh after brian got the bus uh, I started bothering him to sell it to me, and uh, after uh, uh, gently nudging him a, a few times over a few months, uh, he finally agreed to sell it to me because uh, I, I think he felt that I could do it justice. What, so did, uh, did did he? I, uh, what what was the motive like just having all those rare options for you were like i've got to get this bus like it's super weird really oddball and i've got to snag this thing yeah yeah i was like yeah uh kind of in my collection i want one each at least of all the major options and i didn't have anything with an ambulance divider i didn't have anything with safari windows so that kind of checked a couple boxes and really, I don't know of any barn doors that have as many options as this bus. Uh, there's one in Thailand that that was pretty heavily optioned, but other than that, there's just nothing like it out there. Uh, so uh, I was able to, to talk Brian into selling it. And then... Uh, uh, actually, later the same day, I was looking around on the Samba, and I found a picture. Because, uh, and let me back up a little. Uh, talking about the bus right after Brian got it, uh, him and myself were talking about it. We we're trying to figure out why it had all these options, mm -hmm. and we couldn't couldn't figure it out. But we're like, maybe it was a taxi or something. It was Brian has a fifty-two ambulance, and. So he knew that it was never an ambulance because it doesn't have the fittings inside like an ambulance would have. Even though it has three ambulance options, right. it's not an ambulance. So we're thinking maybe it's a, a taxi or something, but uh, I, 
uh, I didn't care what it was. I just wanted it. So right, based on so the I got level it. of options and then passed. absolutely. So then later that day, uh, on the, the same day that I made the deal with him, uh, I hadn't picked it up yet, but we made the deal. Uh, I got on the Samba and uh, looked at a picture from Riviera Motors in Portland, Oregon. And I saw a bus parked on the street and realized what it was. And what it was, was actually what I was going to build the, the tribute car of, and it was one of the service combis, except it wasn't one of those 14 and 56. Mm -hmm. This was one of the first ones that came over in 1955, which at that point I didn't even know that that existed until I saw that picture and it all fell into place that I had actually bought the car I was going to make a tribute car of. That's crazy. And so, and then when you find, when you realize you have this car, I mean, it's gotta be excitement and then stress at the same time, because it's not like this is an easy car to have, because now that you've got this, the list of parts needs is through the roof, right? I mean, this thing is, it's not just a logo on this yeah. bus, right? Well, yeah. And, and uh, even just getting it was was crazy because uh, I had to, to go and pick it up. And so uh, I, I called my friend Jeremy and uh, talked him into uh, riding along with me. And, and we drove uh, from Boise all the way to Michigan to pick it up. And we, we drove straight through something like 1,800 miles in 34 hours something is just a, a, a huge trip that then we get it uh, and and drive back through and I actually had Jeremy drop me off in Denver uh, to visit with uh, it was the, the time of my annual vacation with my girlfriend where we visit her family in Denver and so uh, he drops me off in Denver he, he drives back to Idaho Falls with my truck and trailer, and, and then I ended up flying home with Carrie. But oh, I, hey, I'll anyway, be right. I'll be right and, back. I've got to go get this well, super rare bus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, she, she's very understanding. Uh, 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 letting me run out and grab the bus. Uh, and thankfully, it only uh, shaved a couple days off of the vacation. Now, what kind, uh, what kind of condition? When I was in, uh, so it it had definitely lived a life. Um, it was uh, a, a known car uh, because it had been advertised in Hot VW's magazine in 1980. And uh, back when you would have to like write a letter to the person who had it for sale, and they, they listed it as an ambulance and, and listed some of the, the options and stuff. But so they didn't know what it was. Uh, but a few people at that time uh, rode away and got pictures of it, but uh, then didn't buy it. And then uh, a gentleman in Ohio bought it and, and he just put it in his uh, barn uh, for 43 years and 
uh, got a couple other bosses to keep it company, but it just basically sat waiting for the day that that it would uh, get revealed and and get a chance to get it to back to its former glory. So the guy that bought it in 1980, he was a bus collect. He had to be a bus collector as well, right? Yeah, uh, I believe he had a VW shop uh, in Ohio, and he had uh, quite a few cars. And uh, in the last couple of years, he's been selling them off. And he sold, actually, he had three barn door buses and sold them all to Brian. Oh, wow. That's a, that's, that's, Brian's a pretty lucky guy. Uh, yeah, he, he was really fortunate to be able to get them. Uh, and And so... Uh, then once I, I, I knew what the boss was, uh, and, uh, I sent an email to my friend Ralph in Germany, who is a real big literature collector. And I asked him if he had any, uh, uh, like pictures of it in VW factory literature or, or anything, cause he has a bunch of the internal VW literature. And so he responded uh, with a, a great email. He said, don't even ask to buy this. But, and then he uh, sends me some pictures of the sales brochure for this bus. Uh, and there's pictures of a bunch more of them. And this is from mid-1954 that VW put this out. And it's basically a sales brochure for uh, VW distributors to get this bus. It's, it was not ever meant for the public, but they, they said, this is you know what's available and it shows everything that's inside it. It talks about all the options and the, the reason for all these options, which you know, Brian and myself were theorizing well, we found the actual piece of literature that says it was they put these options on to show the dealerships what options you could get on a bus. Oh, so it served multiple purposes. The, the options weren't necessarily functional that you would think that the options were specifically done to do um, just a, a, another, another level of display for these vehicles. Like these are more options you can get on a bus. Exactly, uh, because some of the options don't even make sense for the use of that bus because in the, the cargo area, it had a tool chest and then an engine, a transaxle, and a front axle. And so it has six pop-outs back there so that all that stuff can be well-ventilated. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, two pop-outs would have done it just fine. Uh, but the uh, six pop-outs is generally for people, not for stuff. Right. Uh, and then the, the full-width dash doesn't really do a lot for, uh, for this situation, but it shows, shows them what's available and what they could order. So this uh, was because... Even the, though at the point that this... Be, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, because the bus is not really mass... Uh, mass sold in the states at this point. I mean, they're not they're not selling near the number of buses that they are selling uh, Beetles and stuff. So that uh, they're just trying to show as many options because maybe the floor is not stocked with tons of buses. 
Yeah. And uh, they could just, you know, things that, that a salesman could upsell uh, and get people to special order bosses with these options. Uh, of course, the Safari windows are good in, in any bus and they're useful no matter what because they're going to give the uh, driver and passenger a little bit of ventilation. But also three of the, the options on it, the, the, uh, the ambulance fans, which are, you know, an overhead roof vent, mm-hmm. you know, separate of the electric fans, the full width dash and the rear hatch, which are all ambulance items that were on this bus, they all became stock, you know, on F- every bus two months after this was produced. Uh, and really, you look at the post barn door buses, and they pulled the best things off of ambulances and put them on those buses. Yeah, they took the they, they took the parts and pieces that worked. Uh, that made the most sense, right? I guess, and so it, it, it's kind of like you know, as you get a split when you start moving up through the through the different beetles, you, you they become more comfortable because there's more things that make them usable, like a a full length dash. You know, <laughs> it's kind of handy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but this bus, th- this bus in particular, what makes this one maybe a little more rare is the fact that it's um, that it's a barn door. I mean, is that because the majority of them were 56 buses, is that right? So, yeah, I have pictures of uh, 28 different uh, service combis. Uh, and the the majority of them, actually, well, half of them are those 14 in a row that came to the U.S. But then there's uh, a few other post-Barndor ones and then... Uh, like a dozen of them are are barn door era ones, but those are just from that brochure. Uh, the these cars were not uh, common at all, and other than this one, none are known to have survived. Uh, and there are uh, very few pictures of them out there, other than. Uh, the brochure and internal VW stuff. Yeah, I think it's you know it's it's and also no go ahead. Oh yeah, and and also uh, at least in the United States by uh, 1960, at least 1960, they were doing all the the training in distributor locations and not with the mobile thing. So the the mobile service school was probably only through the 50s you know there are none no known ones that are not press bumper buses and that's uh, you know and at that time volkswagen starts to establish a network of dealerships they don't need to really um they don't really need to go outside and have a mobile really a a mobile training center anymore because now they've got enough dealerships stationed around where they can just either send people have them travel from dealership to dealership to to get educated now, one question I have about this bus. This bus, I'm assuming based on the photographs of the interior of this bus between uh, the toolkits that it has and the mock-up engines and whatnot that are that, that came with this bus, I mean, approximately how many pieces do you think, and these are all 
Volkswagen specific tools, right? That are in the, inside this thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're all VW tools. Uh, and there's, uh, actually in the brochure is just hugely helpful for the, the restoration of this car because it, it lists every tool that's in the bus. And, uh, there's over 150 tools in it. Then the, the brochure also actually has the blueprints for the frame that holds the, the transaxle and the front axle, which is kind of crazy that they would put the blueprints in there because they're offering the, the bus as a complete bus. Uh, but they're also, uh, I think they're just filling space in the brochure. Uh, but, and then there's the, the tool chest and then the rear tool chest, uh, which, uh, according to brochure, uh, it holds a few tools, but then it also holds uh, service literature, like uh, repair manuals and parts lists. And it also uh, has sales literature in it. Well, with with respect to the uh, the rear hatch, like did the ambulance door serve a specific purpose for this being a service training vehicle? I mean, was it used as like a, a sturdy deck to do demonstrations on? Uh, the, the bottom drawer of the, the rear tool chest uh, slides out onto that. But I think that it was more that they were showing that this option was available and then also making use of that space because with the, the tool chest in the, the cargo area, you wouldn't be able to get to uh, anything over the, the engine compartment. Uh, although normally in a barn door, the, the area over the engine compartment is really small. So really understanding... Uh, with a big engine lid. So understanding barn doors, really the, um, the only barn doors that had two rear doors in the early, as far as barn door era, are ambulances. Yeah, there were also a couple fire trucks that had rear hatches uh, uh, for, for the big ones. The, there was also the small hatch option, which was available on all models, uh, but those are fairly uncommon. And that was just a little hatch that opens up for a, a small area because, of course, the, the big engine compartment. Now, when you started digging into the restoration process on this bus, what was your first plan of attack? Well, uh, the, there was uh, some metal work that needed to be done. Uh, so uh, I towed the bus up to uh, Jake Miller up in Winthrop, Washington, because uh, he's really good with uh, buses and metal work. And I uh, dropped it off with him. And then uh, I, I started uh, scouting out some parts. And so basically the, the restoration started at the beginning of this year. Uh, uh, January 6th was when Jake started working on it. And that was when I started uh, really looking for the parts. Uh, that there's a lot of hard to find stuff with this. Uh, probably the biggest piece being the tool chest, uh, which there's uh, 
at this time, to my knowledge, only one known to exist from an original school wagon. And uh, that one was owned by Rick Clark uh, in Monterey, California. And so I reached out to Rick and I was able to make him a deal for that tool chest, which is was just uh, incredibly generous on his part. Uh, and so I got that and then I started buying tools and buying parts and buying more parts and more parts. And basically since the middle of January, there have always been packages coming in the mail to me to this day. Uh, I actually received few packages today. Uh, and, uh, I've gotten, uh, parts from, uh, six different continents and a couple islands on top of that. And when you started, when they started working on the bus, like normally you get a bus that's been passed around, you know, for years and years, there's tons and tons of irreversible stuff that's been done. Um, what are some of the surprising things that you found out about this particular bus in your process of restoring it? And then, and then once you get to that point, like, are you going to do a full restoration or are you trying to, is it too far gone to preserve or where are you at with that? Well, um, I wasn't sure how, how deep I was going to have to go on the restoration is actually, uh, really solid, uh, metal wise, uh, we ended up replacing uh, less than 20 pounds of metal overall. So uh, 99% of the, the uh, metal on the bus is factory metal. The, uh, both rocker panels are perfect, you know, with no holes, which is really uncommon. Uh, but at, I figure at some point the owner of it must have worked at a paint store and gotten an employee discount yeah. because there were like 10 layers of paint and primer on this bus. Uh, and we got in, started getting into stripping it. And the uh, paint stripping is something that's uh, uh, really come around lately. Uh, and people, you know, are, uh, unpainting buses uh, and m most of them uh, don't turn out all that well and so I didn't have high hopes but it was still worth a try to see what we could do with it and and so there's a few techniques for it uh, there's uh, the razor blade method uh, and then there's chemical stripping uh, and, and so, uh, we kind of had to, to use all, all of the above because there were so many layers of paint. Uh, so we'd take off like the first six layers with razor blades, then, uh, generally the next three layers with aircraft stripper, and then the, the last layer with, uh, lacquer thinner and steel wool. And by doing that, we were able to, to get down to original paint over the majority of the bus. That's crazy to have that much original paint on that bus. 
And and as you started, I mean, as you start peeling the paint, is it it starts to validate everything that you thought? I mean, obviously you had the build sheet on the bus, but you can see all the remnants of the things that were there from the beginning. Yeah. So uh, I I had written away for the birth certificate and uh, the and the factory. I and I uh, put a little note in saying, you know, I know this is a special car. Can you uh, uh, please? give me any extra information you have on it. And they responded uh, with all the options and uh, saying that it was delivered to Volkswagen of America. Uh, and, and then they, they included a nice note saying that all that they do is tell you how it was when it left the factory. And so uh, I, I knew there was more and uh, that I would uh, have to, to go through some other channels to uh, figure that out. But uh, in the, and that, so then uh, I got a hold of uh, a contact that I have at Volkswagen of America asking him uh, if he had any archival information. I'm hoping that they have a big folder full of pictures of it and stuff, which unfortunately they do not but he put me in touch with the uh people at the uh factory in hanover the vw history guy who uh, was very kind and in, in looking up some information and found out that there was another bus built uh at the same time as this with the same options and also delivered to Volkswagen of america so there were two of this bus and so this boss's brother is the one that you see in the photo from riviera motors in port oh wow that's crazy i mean that that you've got two buses that are built the same day with the same funky options and now you have you have one that exists today and it's able to put back together i mean that's got to be i can't even imagine what it takes to try to find the parts that are inside this bus you know and try to and try to get all these pieces put together but i guess if it's got to go to anybody it's got to go to somebody like you that you're actually gonna you know go through the painstaking process of of putting it together because it's it's no small feat and it really has to have a person that's got you know unbridled passion for these things absolutely it's been an incredible uh, journey over the last uh, uh four and a half months basically uh since we started uh, on the, the restoration and, and it's a, a preservation restoration uh, because we were able to get back to so much of the original paint. And uh, uh, thankfully uh, my brother, Eric was uh, able to help me on the paint stripping uh, between the two of us. We had over 150 hours into removing the, uh, the repaint off of this bus and and then we found that the the bus had when vw decommissioned it they sanded off the logos and sanded off uh their name and and all that and then repainted it uh dove blue at that point before it got painted white red silver black blue blue green orange and copper in various places at various times uh 
and uh, I was really uh, happy with with what we were able to do uh, with the paint. Uh, and then uh, after we stripped it down, uh, I took it down to uh, uh, Trevor and his crew at Rusty Gold Restorations in uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and he uh, did the blending work and got the Dove Blue back on it in the places that it had been sanded off and the wheel wells were uh, that had been replaced and, and stuff like that. And I uh, got it all blue again, then uh, brought it back up to Boise and uh, I flew uh, Gibbs Connors out uh, to do the uh, sign painting on it and bring the logos back to what they were back in the day. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's cool. I mean, blending the paint by itself is a pretty big, you know, it's a pretty big task to do because you want it to, I mean, you're not wanting to repaint the whole bus because you're wanting, like you said, to preserve what's there to be original. And so blending it, it takes a, I mean, that's, that can't be easy in and of itself, you know? Yeah. It was especially difficult on this one because, uh, even the, the original paint, it, it got painted over probably in the first year or two after, uh, it had went into service. Uh, and you know, it was not in its original state for very long. So the, but then there's still where we stripped it down there's multiple different shades of dove blue on adjacent panels is really difficult uh, uh to do and the the colors uh for whatever reason whether it was the 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 uh the repaint over top of it chemicals seeping in or something but it it changed the the blue just just a little bit in places. Yeah, and I mean, there's because I know with like the sea blue and stuff like that, there's all types of different. Uh, there's well, there's two different types of sea blue, which then means that you know you've got so much. Uh, you you know, there's two there's two shades. So when you're trying to do something, you know, to match it, you can change. There's the difficulty of trying to get the exact color, but since you've got the color to match, did that make it a little bit easier to blend the colors together? Um, yeah, a little bit is still pretty difficult. Uh, just because the, the color varies, uh, on it, but the, the overall result was good. And I was really happy with it. I'm blown away oh, by, the, how, the one by color, how good it looks, you know, I mean, as far as, you know, the way that, uh, it, it's all kind of, come back together with especially the striping and all that yeah yeah and i had a, a local pinstriper uh do the the pinstriping uh and also on colors uh that one thing that's uh sealing wax red bosses fade the worst out of any of them and you'll see a row of sealing wax red bosses at a show and they will all be different shades, whether they're original or repainted or whatever is the, the most difficult color. So the, uh, and then with Dove Blue, there's early Dove Blue and late Dove Blue, 
because uh, they changed the paint formula sometime in the late 50s or early 60s, and so they fade differently. Uh, it's, the original paint has its challenges. Yeah. I mean, there's there, there's there's no question that uh, it, it's without without any thought that this is this is probably i mean it's probably got to be one of the more difficult restorations i would think because of a the amount of parts and pieces that are there uh b getting the lettering and all that stuff and did you find any of the old lettering underneath any of the old logos um the there was ghosts of what the the letters were the the actual lettering they sanded off every letter but like across the the back of the bus, you could see that Volkswagen was spelled out across the uh, the back, uh, just because the way they I mean they sanded it down to to bare metal, uh, and then on the door passenger door you could see the the lettering on that as well, uh, but then on the the sides we could see the we call it the flag the the big white thing and that uh we knew what the lettering was from the brochure so we were able to recreate it from that and as far as scale i mean the the ghosting allowed you to figure out what the scale was on it yeah exactly and the and the we had the the scale of the the white flags uh because they, they didn't bother sanding all the white off, uh, so we were able to find that really well. And then uh, on the the rear also, it said Volkswagen across the top and then Mobile Service School below that. And we could see a few of the letters from Mobile Service School, and so we knew that that was what it was because there, there aren't any pictures of the back uh, of an original one. Uh, known to exist. It's interesting that the 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 one that's uh, pictured in front of Riviera has got a different logo on the rear door than than your particular model. Yeah, and uh, and that's why I figured that has to be the brother to my boss because uh, there were only two of them uh, produced uh, and sent to the U.S. Uh, so that has to be the other one. So how many owners did this bus have? Uh, I don't know. Um, the, there was logo, it, it got logoed again uh-huh. uh, from a flower shop and nursery uh, that we found those logos in the stripping process. Uh, so it was actually logoed at least twice. Uh, and, it, you know, how many ever owners between uh, uh, 1955 and 1980 and then three after that. Wow. That's, I mean, it, it's gotta be pretty lucky, especially you being a bus collector and, and wanting to find something kind of cool and then planning to build a tribute bus that looks like a bus like this because you can't find them, right? If anybody's going to find them, Lynn's going to find it. And then you decide, Hey, I'll start with the platform that my buddy's got and use that thing and it ends up actually being you know that bus for you like you know i i don't even know how i can come more full circle than that you know it's pretty that's pretty incredible how it all comes together yeah it it blows my mind and and for the last 
you know, several months, you know, just, it blows my mind on a daily basis. And it's, and I like to say, I can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how this all came together and happened. It, it's just crazy, but, but it did. Now, one question I do have is because of all the additional weight that that bus normally drives around with, did they put Alpine gears in the uh, reduction box or is it a regular reduction box trans? And how does it fare with respect to power and driving it with that much weight in it? Um, it's just regular drivetrain, uh, with, which is, you know, slow with a bus that doesn't have an extra half a ton of stuff in it. So this had to be monumentally slow. I, I really feel for those guys who had to drive it, uh, because this is like the, the heaviest bus to leave the factory, uh, in, in the, the split bus era, uh, and, there, there were heavier ones maybe that were modified after the factory, but this one is just monumentally slow. And, and also, interestingly enough, it is the most expensive bus uh, or the most expensive Volkswagen overall from the 1950s. The, the cost was uh, basically a little over $5,000, which was like Porsche Carrera money. So that's how that that's how much the bus cost when it was new. That particular bus, or with all those options and tools, and if you priced all that stuff. Yeah, with all that stuff, the the brochure prices it out. Although the brochures in uh, Deutschmarks, but I uh, uh, converted it to dollars and figured out what the cost would be, and it is just a hugely expensive car because the tools and equipment are really expensive and plus it has all the options and everything else so it's kind of funny because it's the most expensive bus you couldn't buy right well that's the thing right because it was only in yeah it's not it, it was only yeah, available it, to dealers yeah and not even dealers but distributors uh and and so volkswagen and this was volkswagen of america which was owned by volkswagen so they're kind of selling it to themselves, but I don't know how their accounting works or how they internally charged it. But, uh, but the, the brochure has the prices for it. And then, so your plan with this bus, then the, as people listen to this podcast, they'll be able to view this bus in person tomorrow at Octo. Absolutely. Uh, it, I'll have it, uh, on display at Octo and people can come and, and, see it and uh of course uh with this uh, uh podcast you can uh, uh see it right now yeah and that, i mean that's it's an unbelievable job that you did on this bus i mean i think it's 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 wow you know that is just wild and the rear tool chest that came with that is that specifically built for that bus Oh, this one, the the rear tool chest I had built by a local cabinet maker. Mm -hmm. uh, the the tool chest that's inside the cargo area uh, is uh, an original tool chest. Wow, I mean that thing is that thing is it's unbelievable, and I, I can 
tell from the top, like the top, uh, the top above the belt line behind the rear window. That's still original. That's all still original paint over there. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the dog blue that you see about eighty percent of that's original paint. Eighty percent original paint. I mean, that's yeah. that's pretty incredible for a a nineteen fifty five fifty six bus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we had to to paint the areas under here because I mean, they just attacked it with the DA. It was an adventure stripping the paint off it, and uh, us people know that most paint strips uh, and blends uh, don't end up looking incredibly good, but I was very pleased with the results uh, on this bus. It, it turned out better than I thought it would. Yeah, that thing's unbelievable. I mean, and to have the bus that, and so nobody else has that bus in their collection. There, there's none of those that are known to exist. Yeah, this is the only one known to exist. And on top of that, uh, I would love for a few more to come out of the woodwork, but uh, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, all of the super unique options that are specific to the service bus and for it to be a, a, a training vehicle, a service training vehicle. I mean, I think when we're talking about logoed buses, I think you won, I think you won the logoed bus race, right? The most rare, unique logoed bus, not to mention owned by Volkswagen. But, you know, some of those listeners that weren't paying attention or that maybe got kind of lost in the weeds a little bit, one of the things that's really unique about this bus, because we talked about timeline earlier, is that this bus was sold to VOA before VOA really existed, right? Yeah. So it was produced in uh, January of uh, 55. And I believe that, that this and its brother came over with those first service personnel uh, in the spring of 1955. And then Volkswagen America was incorporated in October of 55. So uh, it's, it's possibly the, the first car that Volkswagen of America owned. Yeah, that's that's so cool, man. And I'm, I'm, really, I'm really stoked that, that we were able to do this and get this recorded uh, with respect to uh, the process that it took to go through this and, and get this bus preserved the way it deserved to be. Um, I think, uh, you know, and, and it was, you had a, a few people help you on this thing throughout the, throughout this. I had a lot of people help me. Uh, I, uh, I got really lucky. Uh, a, a, a lot of friends, uh, put in uh, a lot of time, uh, you know, uh, Jake Miller, uh, Eric Carlson, Adam Bruno, uh, Eric Bjornsson, my brother, uh, and uh, countless other people. Uh, it, and with, with what it is, uh, everybody has been really stoked to work on it. Uh, I've gotten really uh, lucky with that because everybody who's laid hands on it has really enjoyed working on the car. And, and you know, restorations take a long time uh we're literally four and a half months into this restoration it'll be uh, right out five months when i have it down at octo there's still uh another week or two's work to do on it and, and i'm going to be working late nights uh <laughs> up until octo getting it done i'm really looking forward to uh 
taking it down there and, and uh, showing it off at the barn door gathering. Well, I tell you, you know, Lind, I, I don't think I don't think it could have fallen under the ownership of a better steward than you because you're the guy that's absolutely probably one of the most obsessed VW bus guys that I know. And for you to be able to have really kind of the holy grail of barn doors, right? Like go to Octo, you're gonna see you're gonna see ten barn door twenty three windows, right? The Samba, the 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 pinnacle of collectible buses, but I think you got them beat at this point, you know. It, it's gonna be one of the more unique ones there, and uh, I I'm just so fortunate to have been able to get it and to to bring it to this state. Well, and I I really think it's awesome that you had people that had like you know, a super rare toolkit. And it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, it's like when you got the guy that needs it, he's the guy that's got to get it right. Because it, you know, you really, we, we hold on to these things that we collect. And then if we really find the appropriate home for it, it's got to go to the appropriate home. So I'm so glad that you're able to get it. Now, do you have all of the tools in it or is there still some pieces you're looking for? Um, I still have a list of uh, over 50 tools that, I'm looking for, uh, I have about two thirds of the tools at this point. I have all the visible tools because there are some that you can see just looking through the windows, but it, it's going to take a couple of years to fill the tool chest completely. Well, Lind, I'm, I'm glad we got through the podcast, man. I'm glad uh, that uh, to see this bus on the road. I'm excited to, to take a look at it, that we're going to be checking it out over there at Octo. And uh, you've done a great job on this thing, man. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to see the thing come back, you know, into resurface back in the population of buses on the road again. Because that's really, when it comes down to, that's what it's all about, is getting these buses back on the road. It, absolutely. Uh, I'm uh, so glad to be able to do it. And, and also I'd like to give a special thanks to my girlfriend, Carrie Padilla, who's uh, been very patient uh, from day one on this project. Uh, so No, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. She, yeah, and we're actually uh, uh, going to be driving uh, down the coast uh in another one of my bosses uh, on the way to Octo. Uh, the, this one's going down in an enclosed trailer because there's no way I would drive this thing on a road trip. That would just be a nightmare. <laughs> well, at least you have all the tools to fix it if it broke, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, I think that's rad, man. Well, well, Lind, uh, I'm looking forward to to having you enjoy this bus with all the other enthusiasts out there at Octo, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. And so, if you've got a list of those tools, uh, send it to me. I'll include it in the text of the podcast. This way, if anybody listens to this podcast, they can peruse the list of parts you need, and if they got it, they can reach out to you and get you some of these parts, man. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. And uh, I, I really love the work you're doing with, with VW history and, and getting this all out there for everybody to know. No, I, I love it, man. And it's guys like you that uh, that I admire that have the, I mean, for me, it's easy. I sit here and, and make the videos and put the pictures out and all that stuff. But you've got to go through the painstaking process of putting that thing back together and getting all that. But it's it's all part of the preserving history and, and uh you know, reigniting all these all these dead carcasses of vehicles and getting them back on the road, man. So thanks so much for uh, for doing it, man. And and I tell you, 
I admire your commitment to the buses specifically, man. You're my uh, you're my go-to authority for for anything and everything VW. And don't forget, Lind also does an article. He does the article every month in Hot VWs, uh, the Transporter Talk. So if you guys have anything that uh, you need uh, questions answered on, I'm sure you can get a hold of Lind through that. And you should subscribe subscribe to the magazine just for Lind's article if you're not doing that. So uh, appreciate it. Thanks so much, Lind. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you, Bill. All right, buddy. If you liked that podcast, and I know you did, make sure you share this podcast with a friend. And if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the merch tab, and support your boy by picking up some merch. Until next week, guys. Later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Volkswagen.